0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Style Guide with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Ray. Or how are you today, Stephen?
1: I'm fantastic. I I am super excited to talk today on our first podcast of the new year.
0: This is it, right? This is the first. This is the one first podcast of the new year. A little bit of a rogue podcast from our other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we could call this a rogue, a rogue one, a rogue one of the podcasts that we do.
1: So uh, today we'll be talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Yeah, the greatest of those four movies. No, of course, we are talking about Rogue One, which uh, both of us saw separately, and then we saw it together.
1: And then I saw it again separately, so.
0: Oh, that's nice. You went and saw it after we saw it?
1: Yeah, I I cheated on you by myself.
0: Like you went to see your family, and then you were like, I'm going to go see Star Wars.
1: (laughs) No, I saw it with my family, unfortunately, so unfortunately that's not that's not what i meant
0: (laughs) hi stevens family hi mom uh so it's kind of neat because we saw it together and then we talked a little bit about it already so so unlike most of our other podcasts where we just kind of like like for the first time are telling each other our ideas uh we've kind of talked a little bit but i'm sure those have grown and changed since we saw it am i correct yeah
1: yeah i think i think that's fair to say and 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 that's a good thing. I think, you know, we this has been a film that I had some initial responses to. I built a little bit over the second viewing and then I've really
0: developed some of my thoughts uh now. So I'm the exact same way except for the developing thoughts. <laughs> because I only saw it twice. I only saw it twice. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to develop thoughts until you see something three times. Exactly. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I think there's a lot of weird backlash about this movie from people because and i mean first of all we all knew this was not going to be as successful a film as the force Awakens. yeah because that's impossible because that had so much pent-up demand and nostalgia and all the original cast and it was like a trip down memory lane like there's no way this was going to make you as happy as the force awakens did
1: yeah i mean especially after seeing the force awakens and everything that it did right Rogue One had to do all the same things right, but do it in a new way without any of the characters that we know and love, telling a story that we already are familiar
0: with. But I feel like the backlash has been worse than the movie deserves. Personally,
1: <laughs> by far,
0: yeah. And I think it's this, like, uh, it's part of the, I don't know, what do you call it, iconoclastic, like, like you want to go against what's popular, that that feeling that people have to 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 damn the man tear down the whatever so like because star wars is such a popular franchise it's cool to attack it
1: what's particularly weird about that is you're hearing it from people who love star wars who talk about how they you know how they grew up with the films and um and and how it was really important for them as kids and so we're talking about people you know your and my age in a lot of cases who are Mm -hmm. you know late 20s early 30s who didn't Grow up in the era of Star Wars. They really, they're they're children of the prequels.
0: Yeah, or they grew up with the. They were born when, like, Return of the Jedi was the only movie that was out when they were born, possibly. Yeah, and possibly not even like they saw them on VHS tapes first of all.
1: Yeah, and so they've always lived in a time period where Star Wars is a popular myth. They they Mm -hmm. none of them can claim that they were they were the first ones to really enjoy it and get it and so it, it is somewhat uh strange to hear the anti-popular opinion about star wars when it's always been popular
0: yeah to those people for sure yeah yeah because yeah. like uh so missy my wife's dad he's a huge star wars fan he saw it and his reaction was pretty much like oh that was fun yeah. Because <laughs> he, when he first saw the original Star Wars, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast already. He saw the original Star Wars, he left the theater, and then he bought another ticket and went right back in. Hmm. Like, it blew his mind. It was the greatest thing he'd ever seen in his life. And so he's a star- he is a Star Wars fan. Like, yeah. not one of these, like, grew up when it was on VHS. But he, like, saw it in the theater and fell in love with it. Back when everyone else thought it was just kind of a trashy sci-fi movie. And so, and he thought it was fine. It was exactly the kind of Star Wars he remembered. Yeah, Because I think, honestly, I think it kind of was.
1: Yeah, it, and that for me is the kind of miraculous part about this film, is that it still manages to be a Star Wars film through and through, despite the fact that there are no Jedi, despite the fact that there is one lightsaber scene in the entire film, despite the fact that we're avoiding this this grand narrative about the Skywalkers being the saviors of the galaxy. Instead, it's a really small story of of a couple of characters and their their already predetermined journey and mm-hmm. and yet it works really effectively as
0: a Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah, I think the backlash it got it it's totally undeserved. Yeah, yeah. Cuz I think uh a, a lot of the of the issues people could have with this movie which there are plenty uh that you could have with this movie are similar issues that you could have with Return of the Jedi or <laughs> A New Hope um but not empire cuz empire is amazing but like you can have those same issues with all Star Wars movies so it's kind of like that's just Star Wars is kind of campy and cheesily written you know like that is that is the world that it's in
1: yeah and that that's a good way to put it the reminder of the campiness and and this is something that even the prequels had a decent grasp on like they understood the kind of campy cheesy nature of the Star Wars universe now, the prequels fail for other reasons, but but they 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 understood parts of the Star Wars universe in a way that I'm not sure that some fans understand it today, which is not to say there there are legitimate reasons. There are totally legitimate reasons not to like this movie. And my my problem is the people who went and saw this and said, this movie isn't for me. Therefore, it's a bad movie. And because hmm. because I I think that there are lots of people for whom this this version of Star Wars is not for them, but that's actually okay.
0: Yeah, and same with people who went in with an expectation of what the movie was going to be. And I mean, we're going to talk about this more, but the people who went in thinking it's going to be a heist movie, mm-hmm. and then it was really wasn't a heist movie. No. Uh, and they're upset that it wasn't what they expected it to be.
1: Yeah. And I confess, I, I was upset that it wasn't a heist movie. You know, I, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about it on the podcast
0: mm-hmm. when we
1: saw the trailer, how cool it was going to be to see Ocean's Eleven in space in the Star Wars yeah. universe.
0: And that's not what it was. At all. <laughs> and
1: that's not what it was. But being able to separate myself from the expectations that I had that were entirely of my, well, no, they, like they did, they did indicate that it was going to be a heist movie. But, but, separating myself from the experience of the trailers and the conversation beforehand to sitting down and watching the two hours of Star Wars in front of me, I was able to do that effectively, I think.
0: Yeah. It was it was not what I expected, but that doesn't mean it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I do really wish it was a heist movie because that would have been fun. <laughs>
1: Man, it just like... It, just like take beat for beat everything about Ocean's Eleven and just do it with Star Wars characters, I I would have seen that movie four or five times by now.
0: <laughs> so so I want to start here. Can I start here? Yeah. This maybe is not the best place to start. Maybe we should talk about the movie first. But f it, I want to talk start here. So apparently there were a bunch of rewrites for this movie. Mm-hmm. We talked about that briefly in our like post film watching experience our post-show pre-style guide experience <laughs> yeah um and of uh, uh, the rumor was that it was too dark you thought maybe it wasn't dark enough and that's why they rewrote it i think it was more of a heist movie and then the rewrites turned it less into a heist movie
1: yeah i mean one thing is very clear from this version of the film is that there were two very different attitudes towards rogue one uh, and I suspect that was the director's vision and Disney's vision. And whether or not it started as a strong heist movie and they decided to make it more of a more of an adventure i it it i we may never know like that story may never come out, but it feels like there are some heist film beats in here that get missed mm-hmm. and and there, are, there are lots of little beats throughout the film that feel like they, they were dropped too soon, or they don't entirely make sense with the version of everything else that we get. Mm-hmm. And one of the obvious examples is the character of Saw Guerrero,
0: who seems like he should be in there a little bit more or different.
1: <laughs> yeah, it i mean for starters you're having Forrest whitaker play a character who has what five minutes of screen time maybe 10 mm-hmm. and and Forrest whitaker is an actor who he's he like he really loves to act in a film and you can see that here he's really trying to build saw into this nuanced character who who is an extremist but he's been traumatized by his experiences and and none of that comes across really effectively in his character because he gets you know ten mumbled lines
0: yeah and i I don't think they should have cast Forrest Whitaker because mm-hmm. I remember we talked about it in the when the when we did the trailer of the movie, and we knew it was forrest Whitaker Whitaker we referred to him as Forrest Whitaker, we were excited for forrest Whitaker <laughs> um and his star his name kind of steals some of the focus mm hmm uh, and I think I, I'm, I'm much happier when Star Wars does this like no name actor thing, you know. Uh, and Felicity Jones, I know, is not a no name actor, but I've never seen her in anything, so she might as well be to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think Shaw Guerrero is a good example of a character who, and and we we actually know for a fact that his character had more in the original film, and reshoots changed his his story arc dramatically.
0: Yeah, like it it's it's. He got rewritten to death, really.
1: Yeah. And I th- I think you were the one that pointed this out. You were you were t- telling me that he was bald in the trailer and he had hair in the the film. <laughs> yeah,
0: they changed it. They they reshot and changed his whole look. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so when you're when you're making that big of a change to a character that late in the process, it's going to have effects on the broader story. I it's mm-hmm. almost impossible not to. And, and I think that he's a good example of them not nailing the the consequences of those changes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Even, uh, what's his name, uh, the sidekick dude, Cassia? Uh, Cassian. Cassian? Yeah. His character feels like he had some important things that got written out of him, too, or altered or lessened. Like I feel like there might have been a love story there that they took out. Because uh, they didn't want to have a love story between them, uh, and I'm only saying that because there's a few shots near the end of the movie where they're looking at each other in like this loving look, and it's like the first time they've done that, <laughs> and they did it right before they died, so it's like this is weird. They didn't love each other, did they? Did they? Maybe they did, and they cut that out. I don't know.
1: Well, and it felt like I. In the trailers, I got that feeling more. It feel it it feels like where it seemed like they were they were gonna distrust each other, but grow into this budding romance. Yeah. Now that being said, I'm and this is jumping around a lot. I'm really happy with the ending of the film and how it doesn't need to fall into the yeah. romance to conclude the story. Not but, at all. Yeah. But the the beats felt like they were there and missed, or or. Something like that. And so it comes across as strange watching the film.
0: Yeah. And not to mention, like when we did the original podcast about the the trailer, uh, so many of the things we talked about in that trailer do not happen in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, my favorite line, it's a rebellion, I rebel, isn't in the film. No. And I'm I'm shocked that it's not. And how did that get written out? It's such a good line. It is a perfect line. <laughs> Yeah. for this movie uh and it got written out so it kind of like whether they intentionally put that into the trailer knowing it wasn't going to be in the movie just to kind of build up like uh false uh, like uh you know make people have no idea what the movie's going to be about yeah even though we all knew what it was about it was about getting the death star plans. um so uh i i don't think that's why i think they they changed the story and that line ended up getting cut which is so sad
1: yeah, like that line is a great line. If you, if she's coming to the rebellion from from working with Saw Guerrero's militant extremist rebellion, like yeah. like if they're if they're chiding her for her her willingness to engage in the kind of terrorism and like let I guess we don't need to shy away from that word the terrorism yeah. that it seems pretty clear that Saw is doing, which is which is entirely c- contrary to the way that the rebellion proper views their mission against the empire. Yeah, like and that and that line is it would be really effective for her as a way of saying, "Listen, guys, this is this is war, and we are soldiers, and I'm I'm gonna do what I need to do to stop the empire. You guys are the ones who are unwilling to 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 really bear the costs." And they, they tried to repeat that beat later on in the film with Cassian and and his band of of misfits, murderers, thieves.
0: The the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, the Inglorious Bastards. That's a great way to describe <laughs> that.
1: And and so they tried to have the beat come there where they all are are admitting the things that they've done in the name of the rebellion. And and I think that it works for getting across a particular theme. But I don't think it works for this particular story because it comes too late in the movie. We're already deeply invested in the rebellion as what it is. And so
0: yeah, I think I think that line there at the end with with Cassian saying that is more his his uh, the reversal of him shooting his friend in the back. Yeah, or the guy who had a bad arm. They shoots, shoots him in the back when he's giving him information, which is let's say one of the best scenes. Okay, wait, hold on, let me take that back. It's not a great scene, like, it's not written, like, really well or whatever, but that moment when he shoots him in the back is one of the strongest, like, character choices Star Wars has made since Han shot first and then didn't shoot first.
1: Yeah, I, well, and it's even better than, than Han shooting first because in that situation, it's totally okay for Han to do it. Like, it's not as if Han is, like... Yeah, Han's under threat. Yeah.
0: Whereas Cassian was just needed to escape and this guy was gonna slow him down yeah it was a matter of convenience and, and I think there's also a matter of like if the guy got caught he'd be able to tell them what what the rebellion knows now so we had to kill him yeah yeah and keep him quiet
1: and what what's so great about that is that it it tells us this is a different Star Wars these are different characters yeah. and like Luke is never gonna do that Luke is he, that's the opposite of the hero character, and Han might do it. <laughs> Han, Han might do it, but I don't know if they would show us that in the original trilogy, right? No, no, no. And and so personally, I I know we've gone back and forth on how the film should have opened, and you and I largely agree that the first fifteen minutes, where we're we're hanging out with Mads Mikkelsen on his his moisture farm.
0: Yeah. yeah, seeing the family.
1: Yeah, I think we we both agree that that could just be cut altogether.
0: Yeah, you know, because they do flashbacks to it. It was unnecessary. Yeah, super totally unnecessary.
1: And and I can appreciate when you have Mads Mikkelsen and Ben Mendelsohn uh, as characters who are opposed to each other. You want to have a scene where they get to act, act against each yeah. other. I can appreciate that. But the that's making a choice as a director or even as a writer where. You're not accepting the the greatness of the film. You're taking the greatness of these two actors. And Star Wars has never been about the greatness of the actors.
0: No. Um, yeah, I mean, one. So here's one thing for that opening 15 minutes, or however long that scene was. It felt like 40 minutes um, on the moisture farm. Is the real hero of the story, the person that that stood up to the Empire and. And toughed it out Is uh, her dad Mm -hmm. What's his name?
1: Um, Galen Erso
0: Galen Erso Because he defected with his family They found him They killed his wife Tried to get his daughter And he started working for the Empire And did the only thing he could do to fight back Which was pretend they'd broken him And work for them And intentionally put a flaw into the Death Star Mm Mm-hmm uh, and he spent how about fifteen years doing that? For doing the, the the something he hated and he knew was terrible with this tiny glimmer of hope to to undo everything. So he is a character that really was like the heroic one. Everyone else were just a bunch of like badasses that all like, you know, did whatever they were told to do.
1: And so I so. think his character is the response to the great line from Saw Guerrero in the the trailer. What will you do when they catch you? What will you do when they break you? And yeah. and the answer is you'll let them think they've won.
0: You'll let them break you, and then still fight from within, right? Like, and that's what what uh, Galen Urso did. So if you think about Galen Urso like that, that first sort of like bit on the farm is our opportunity to see him for who he is like he this is he's a family man and he did all of this for his family. Yeah, yeah. And he fought he he fought against the empire more than anyone else fought against the empire by by going into the belly of it and and like like letting it eventually kill him, of course. But like yeah, so like in that framing, I can see why you'd want to have that scene at the beginning to show him, but but it, as far as like it being gen Jin's story? Uh it was totally unnecessary.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if he's going to be the hero character, and I think you're right, there is at least one
0: version of the script where he he is more looming in Well, he's he's the he's the heroic person. He's not like our protagonist. But he's the only one that did something truly noble. Yeah.
1: But but for me, I think if that's the case his death scene midway through the movie needs to maybe come later, or you or don't be need that more middle scene. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah so that, that was the only thing about that, just to redeem that first scene a little bit. Yeah, but in all truth, I think we didn't need it at all.
1: No, and I think that, I mean, you 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 wanted to start in in the prison or in a prison yeah. with Jin, but I think you could just cut that opening scene and start with. Cat the Cassian shooting the shooting the the guy with the broken arm scene. Yeah, you could start the film with that and immediately establish the tone of the movie.
0: Yeah. So I I've my my thoughts since I said that I think it should start with her in prison mm. is it should start with Cassian killing that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's the best place to start because we we get an idea of the overall story of the plans in the pilot and then we see this really tough character kill somebody. Uh-huh. And then he runs away, and then it cuts to her waking up in prison. Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been a great open. Uh, although, can I can I say one thing else even before all of that? Yeah, shoot. I think it should have opened with a crawl. Really, I do. I felt I felt like the crawl was was uh, was was missing, and I think if they did open with a crawl, they could have got a lot of the exposition out and not had to find ways to squeeze it into those first like four scenes because they cut to like four or five different planets in the first 20 minutes just for expo- expo- uh, exposition purposes. And I think they could have got a lot of it out in that beginning bit, including telling us who the architect's name was, who the the, the Galen Urso gave a message to a pilot. Like all of that could have been gotten out <laughs> uh, and then it could have started with with much less exposition.
1: So one of the I I love the fact that there wasn't a crawl. And one of the reasons that I
0: I'm sure you do because it separates it from the other movies.
1: It, yeah, and <laughs> it it makes it clear that the the trilogies are about the heroes of the Star Wars universe, the the larger than life galaxy shaking characters. And there's no one in this film who who fits that. That description here there are lots of people mm-hmm. who do heroic things but they're all little individual people whose acts all add up together to a grand heroic moment like yeah with without everything that happens in the film you don't get that last uh rebel running with the death star plans to pass them off to the next rebel who gets them to leia like yeah everything is a building block here whereas in the original trilogy it's all about building Luke up it's all about building Han up so that these characters are able to defeat the grand evil themselves mm-hmm. and so if they had started with a crawl in this film I felt like it it would have been very easy for that crawl to like Galen Urso is is a is an imperial sci- in scientist who is secretly yeah. working for the rebellion. Like it it creates it creates him to be grander than he is. And I love how small and personal his little story is. It's
0: No, I, I agree that it did it did uh keep it from feeling like the grandest of stories. Mm-hmm but i don't think i would have minded that in exchange for a lot of the exposition getting out in the crawl
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think i think you're right the way that they do those many opening shots they're i mean i think that they should have actually had more planet hopping opening shots but what they should have done is used it as an introducing the characters sort of way instead yeah. of introducing the story and have the story come out in dribs and drabs there but have it be you know each each planet each scene we're seeing one of the heist crew members doing something cool
0: yeah yeah that would have been nice because then we get to know our characters Mm -hmm. in this like here's this blind force sensitive monk here's this really tough not force sensitive guy with a gun here's um Yeah. uh, yeah that would have been that would have been the more the heist movie version of it yeah yeah the other the other thing they could have opened with that I think would have been, made that first scene a little less, uh, I don't know, cheesy or I don't know, just less farm <laughs> is if it was Galen Urso in his room where he's building the Death Star or whatever. Mm. And he's having flashbacks to the farm. Mm -hmm. You know, we see him remembering and like flashbacks to it. And then dude in the white comes in and, and starts asking him how things are going and how everything's almost complete and you should be so happy. But Galen doesn't look happy. And he's like, why don't you look happy? And they have like a sort of dramatic scene there that maybe ends with him, like zapping him with something or torturing him or showing that Galen's not actually having the greatest life ever and give us the impression that he's a defector. And then we see the pilot like fly off from the planet or something like that. You know, so like something like that, that gives us like, because the one thing that that Star Wars, A New Hope does at the opening is it opens with this awesome attack on Leia's ship, right? And Leia sends the plans with the droids. Right. So it kind of gives us like, hey, this is the, these are the plans. We're following these, these plans. We're following these droids. So if it gave us that, but with the pilot, like, hey, we're following this pilot into an adventure he's going to get he's going to get stuck on some bigger adventure than him that would have been a nice little open as well that could have gotten out the same amount of of feeling for Galen and and uh idea of who Jin is before we meet her you know
1: yeah well and pointing to the pilot is I think a a a good example of kind of some of the confusion in this movie about who the characters are because there's a version of this story where he's a main character just straight up like I mean, he was a main character yeah but for a character who was known as the pilot he never yeah. flies anywhere he
0: he does a little does he yeah he flies their ship a little bit oh farther.
1: yeah he's he's flying when they're landing on he, the,
0: yeah the when they're pretending planet. to be an imperial ship you know yeah. classic in, in the enemy's clothing beat.
1: yeah but it it just it felt like we we come to his character too too late and the way we come to him with the weird brainwashing scene that only lasts for a scene it it like they, there there are parts of that where i i i was unsatisfied with the development of him as a character
0: yeah which is one of those things with heist movies is that it's hard to develop all these characters mm-hmm. um and so you have to have those scenes where you show all of them as themselves Like the Ocean's Eleven voiceover while we see what they're all doing kind of scenes. Yeah. Which they didn't do in this. But again, this wasn't a heist movie. No. But it did have a large cast of characters that we did not get enough to really care about. Like the blind monk and the tough guy. I don't know their names.
1: Well, that's, that's just
0: racism, Dave. No, but like it's blind monk and tough guy. Like they didn't have any like, I think their names were said so few times that I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't matter' because the archetypal characters they were playing were so classic stereotype archetypal characters that I don't need to remember their names
1: and that's the thing, like if I think about Ocean's Eleven, a film that I have watched many, many times, I actually don't know most of the characters' names come to think of it,
0: no, you don't no. and I don't that's well, oh, right you do know you know some of them, but you don't like you know basher and yeah, uh, but like um, the, and, the and Matt the, Damon the brothers character's name his character's name is Matt Damon, and then the mormon Mormon brothers. <laughs> Saul, you know Saul. (laughs) but like the the thing is i don't need to know the name of of a couple of these characters
1: because one of them is the blind monk and the other is his machine (laughs) gun holding buddy and (laughs) and and they they get a beat of their own to establish who they are and and it works effectively and i think some of the characters it worked well and others it didn't work as well and and i think you're right it might be part of the script being a heist movie um But even if it wasn't a heist movie, if you have a large cast like this, we need to we need to give them all enough of a moment to breathe.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of the weird moments with the the group coming together. First of all, I think the blind monk and tough guy, them joining the team, there should have been a more solid them joining the team beat. Yeah, where they say something like they've destroyed my city. Mm-hmm. I will fight with you. Like something like that. That's just like, now nah, we're a part of your team. Because they kind of just sort of like got swept along on the adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> with no confirmation of, of whether or not they're buddies. Um, So that was kind of weird. But the other thing I found interesting about basically meeting all of these characters is none of them really had a save the cat moment. And in fact, most of them had a kill the cat moment. Cassian shoots a nice guy in the back. Uh, Jin beats up the people who tried to save her. Uh, The blind monk is kind of a dick to her. Uh, Not too bad, but kind of. Mm. You know, he's like just messing with her. The tough guy just stands there staring at her with a gun. Um, And the pilot is like uh, whimpering and having his brains sucked out of him and like whatever. So maybe he didn't kill a cat, but he didn't do anything to make us (laughs) like him. Uh, Is there another character I'm missing? That's everybody, right? Uh, The robot. Oh, and then the, the robot who uh, threw her on the ground. <laughs> so they didn't really do anything to make me go like, oh, wow, that's our hero, until like halfway through the film where she saves that crying kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cassian has his moment earlier when he
0: decides not to shoot Galen. But again, that's that's still like way past, like he kills a cat before he saves a cat.
1: Yeah. And I I'm actually okay with it for Cassian because his arc in this film is the most clearly established for me. And mm-hmm. and I he think goes it
0: goes from rebel to hero, basically.
1: Y- yeah, yeah. And it it's the most coherent and, and and so his works for me, but I wasn't really happy with Jin's development. And and that's the thing. For the most part, these characters didn't develop enough for me. And part of it is like they're trying to tell a war story. A story that's really about some people who are in the middle the thick of a
0: war yeah
1: and i i'm it might be have been a deliberate choice not to give them all those those moments because it doesn't matter whether they're heroes they just happen to be here
0: yeah i think i I agree with that statement that they didn't they intentionally wanted them to all appear as bad people Mm -hmm. or people with like who are willing to do anything Who are across the line just to win? They aren't heroes. They aren't noble. They aren't good. Um, They're soldiers, and I think that was like uh, that was that that was a very clear choice. Mm -hmm. But it um, it would have worked more, I think, in the sort of like what we were talking about with the if we show all four of them at the beginning, or all five of them in their different situations on different planets at doing different things we could have shown like hey look at all these badass characters and now we get to watch them all come together but because it sort of followed Jin through meeting them all it felt like it weird that they joined her and didn't do anything to show that they were good people
1: yeah yeah and and this is going to be i think one of those those star wars films that we come back to you know a couple years and look at it in the in the broader scheme of these new separate star wars stories and i think i think it's going to stand alone because they're they were still trying to f- they're still trying to figure out what it means to tell a star wars sc- story that isn't about the skywalkers that doesn't have jedis that that is about the normal people in the star wars universe and they didn't i don't think they nailed the landing and but i think they learned a lot here
0: yeah, and I don't think they needed to nail it. They couldn't have nailed it. Nothing would have made people happy with this film. No. But but so here's the thing I, I love about this movie. Not to say that it's a movie that I love, but the thing that I do love about this movie, mm-hmm. everyone dies at the end. Yeah. What a, bold, what a bold, beautiful choice, right? All of these characters are not good people. What another bold, beautiful choice. Mm-hmm. And to me, like you just said, this is a war movie. And I'm going to go further and say this is a Vietnam movie. Yeah. Uh, the same way the original Star Wars was modeled after World War II fighter pilots, you know, uh, and, and like, westerns and samurai movies and stuff like this. This was modeled after that sort of uh, either, like, modern-day kung fu movies and uh, Vietnam movies. Like, just the shot of them on the beach with, like, the tropical trees around them, you know, like, running through, the like, the jungle. Yeah. It's like you could hear, like, you know, people moving out people moving in, you know, like you could hear that kind of like uh, Vietnam music um, as they're going in and they're fighting a war that they have uh, like like no chance of winning. They're hopeless. All of those people, when, when Cassian says, we've done things we don't feel good about for the rebellion and we're with you or whatever he says, you know, that his sort of speech to her, that is all of those inglorious bastards signing up to die. Yeah. They know they're not coming back from this. And so they go in and they fight in this war that's impossible. Uh, the odds are against them. They know they're going to die just for this one glimmer of hope, right? Which is like that... that it, It's it's such a beautiful uh, story of, of soldiers and war and reality of war and that heroes in war are the ones who die, not the ones who live. And that whole idea of this film, I thought, was was a beautiful thing to explore in the star Wars universe. And I'm so happy they did it. And I'm so happy that they, oh, okay. I'm so happy they tried to do it. Cause I don't know if they completely succeeded, but it was, it is the kind of thing that when I think about it now, about what they were doing in that movie and how all of these characters die for this really stupid cause, they don't even know if they sent the signal at the end, mm-hmm. uh, is beautiful. And it shows the sacrifice of the soldier and the, uh, and the importance of people who lay down their lives so that Luke Skywalker can go learn how to use the force. Absolutely. It it is it is
1: is a story about soldiers in a war that is so much grander than they are and will will be concluded far after their their minuscule effort has been expended.
0: And and it is And it, it gives you this idea that like every life every every that those those plans so many lives died for those plans mm-hmm. and it really gives them them weight
1: yeah the the line in in return of the jedi where they say many Bothans died to bring bring us these plans it it's getting across that how how many how many lives were expended in order for this but it doesn't it doesn't have the weight that this movie tries to have where mm-hmm. it it shows you many many characters and non character non main characters dying for the hope that these plans are going to get to leia which it, is the hope that she will be able to do something with them that yeah that it will actually which is the be, hope yeah.
0: that they'll be able to do it before the planet destroyer destroys everything <laughs> like, Yeah. so much hope
1: and it's yeah. all predicated on the fact that jin has said there's a weakness in the death star she has mm-hmm. no evidence for it she only has her word, which isn't very, very good with the rebellion as it is. The, the word of a criminal? Yeah. Oh, man. That line isn't even in the movie. <laughs> it is. It is. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, does, it does that. I, I, I think it shows that really effectively. And for me, it, it mirrors the, the reveal in episode seven of Finn as a human being underneath a Star Trooper uniform. Mm-hmm. Where, where in in episode seven, we for the first time in the entire Star Wars cinematic universe, we understand that stormtroopers are people tr- too, and here we understand the rebellion is made up of individuals who, who are meaningless to us in the grand story many people die to get in 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 episodes 4 through 4 through 6 for luke to achieve his ultimate goals but we don't really care about them in the same way and we don't we don't understand them in their complexity and this is a film that says yeah these are soldiers and yeah. they're complex people and they're they're bad people all in the name of hope
0: yeah it's it's giving the unknown soldier a face
1: that that is a good line.
0: You're welcome. Uh it, it takes these people who we know died for us and gives them faces and characters that we all of a sudden care about and realize that, hey, every other person that died is a character just as rounded as me. Like the blind monk dying mm-hmm. was so beautiful, you know, and sad. Yeah. He finally believed enough in the Force to go do this thing, and he did it, and it worked, and he saved them all, and then died.
1: And and can I just say, that scene, It, they could have gone the cheap route with that scene so easily, in that mm. like they're building him up as clearly Force-sensitive, and if the Jedi had been around, he would have been trained as a child, and yada yada. Yeah. And they could have shown him using the Force actively to pull the lever
0: yeah he could have just forced it yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and they didn't do that because he doesn't really know the force he doesn't even know that's possible right like he doesn't know the 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 nuances of the force he just knows Mm -hmm. it's an energy that that binds us that that can
0: do things yeah he knows that everything we're doing is the will of the force and so he knows well hey this should work then because the force needs me to do this and yeah. he did it and it worked it was beautiful
1: and it worked and it worked just enough for him to do what he needed to do for the grander story to continue it mm-hmm. did not do it to save his life
0: mm-hmm. it was beautiful
1: it's beautiful and and it was I think his death is the most meaningful death in the entire film even more so than uh, Jin's father yeah and Jin yeah, Jin. But the, that's the great thing about Jin's death at the end. Like, there's something that's fitting about it, but you're not you're you're not sad. You're not. It's not bittersweet. It's just, oh, this is what is expected, because there's no way out of this situation for her. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the blind monk, it felt like he actively made a choice to die in order to do something greater. And her death happens after she's made the heroic choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good death. Mm. Uh, everyone did have a death moment, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, his was the best. Because the tough guy just kind of shot two people and then got blown up. Uh, Jin and Cassian just kind of like sat there on the beach and watched the world end.
1: And Cassian may have been dying anyway. Like, I'm not entirely... He looked pretty rough. Mm.
0: I think uh, dude, Dude in White... Mm. the ar- The architect whatever his name is uh he had a pretty good death laying on the platform looking up at his creation as it destroyed him yeah that was kind of cool that was very nice that was very nice uh and what was lovely about it is that he was the one person that worked for the empire that knew there was a flaw mm-hmm. right or knew that the rebels really wanted these plans and that there's a chance that er- that uh that galen urso was a a defector and built in some flaws and everything because no one else really listened to him. You know, Tarkin was a jerk to him. Vader made a pun at him. Um, and so he was like, well, damn, I got to do this then. Fine. Ugh, I hate these guys sometimes. Um, and he's like the only one who knew and he died, which means the empire knows that they have the plans, but they don't know that there's a weakness in the death star.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: which justifies the two things that happened in a new hope that are, that are uh, that that are that need to happen, which is the emperor needs to the empire needs to be overconfident in the Death Star and uh believe that it can't be destroyed. And the rebels have to have this one shot through a tube that destroys it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So funny. So funny that this whole movie was justifying that stupid choice they made in the first movie.
1: Yeah. Just just absolutely ridiculous choice. One of the mm-hmm. things uh, about uh, the the director, whatever his name is, his director Krennic, his character's death is that he dies seeing the weapon kill him, and Mads Mikkelsen's character died never seeing the Death Star in action.
0: And is that uh, Galen or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is there's there's something really beautiful about he he didn't well, he, have to witness he, it.
0: He he died at a rebel missile. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that was a rebel missile that killed Galen or so, and then the Death Star that killed the uh, the architect.
1: Yeah, and so both of them were killed by the side that they were working for.
0: Yeah, which is another nice, like, yeah, oh. nice little poetry to it.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that they had a lot of fun little poetry bits in this film that, that, that work effectively, so.
0: Yeah, which makes you think that they, they thought a lot about this movie and made some really brilliant choices. hmm but then they rewrote it, they had two versions of the story they were trying to tell, and they kind of got muddled, and I think that's where the flaw in this film lies, is that somewhere in there, the producers and the director, or the writers and the producers or the writer, and some 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 people were fighting about what this movie needed to be, and changed it and altered it into kind of neither, mm-hmm. but you can tell that they did think a lot about things that happened in this film. And made really, really bold choices, I think. Um, killing everybody was like a super bold choice. And, of course, my favorite choice of all of them, which we haven't really talked about yet at all, was Vader.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, when
0: we, when we talked about this in the preview, I thought Vader was not going to be in it. Or maybe you just see him in the background. And then you said you're pretty confident he was in there. You were right. One point for Steven. Yay! But the, but the two scenes we see Vader in, the reveal of Vader... Where he's in that tube of water uh, of liquid or whatever and it's being emptied and we see this scarred up old man Vader yeah and then we see him come down as as in his all his awesome suit and with James Earl Jones's voice that I thought was a fake for a while but it turns out it was really James mm-hmm. Earl Jones <laughs> and he does that whole scene where he just you know chokes him because that's what Vader it's the Vader move all of that was awesome I loved it I loved every bit of that Vader bit. I don't know, what do you think? Did you like it or did you hate it?
1: I I thought that it was great because it it, it reminded us of the universe that we were in. Like, of course Vader's around. Of course Vader has an opinion on how the, how the Death Star process should go. And of course mm-hmm. it's not at the level where we see the Emperor yet because the Emperor doesn't get involved in the day-to-day machinations. No, yeah. And so I thought it was really fitting. And yet at the same time I was surprised that that was the beat we saw him in. Like I just Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to see Vader midway through the movie like that
0: in a scene. Yeah, Yeah. you almost think you'd just see him like being ominous and awesome. Yeah, and then disappear and then come back later for a scene. But they just went right into it. It was wonderful. It was like a lovely surprise. Yeah, it was like when you see uh, Han Solo and Chewie. You know, Chewie were home. You know, it was like, oh, Vader, because he wasn't in The Force Awakens. Oh, man, we get to see Vader again. You know, like, it was really exciting.
1: Yeah. that And and showing him in the tube, you know, missing limbs because they'd been cut oh. off by Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was, you're right. It was the chewy we're home moment because mm-hmm. I, I was home with Vader again for the first time in, since I had seen Return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah. Which, of course, like, I mean... The real awesome Vader moment, though, was the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. which I think, I think I can almost say 100% is my favorite Star Wars lightsaber thing ever. Yeah. Like, I can't think of another Star Wars lightsaber fight, or maybe even just like Star Wars scene (laughs) ever, when Vader invaded, like, was like, he's like, get a boarding party together. And really, he meant... I got this, <laughs> and he just went in and lightsabered and forced his way through, just showing that like, hey, you know these heroes you've been watching who've been struggling so hard to just get these tiny little plans, Vader could have done that by himself if yeah. he wanted to. Like that's how powerful this guy is, and so it just he just fights his way through, and they run and they pass the plans on, and you can just see that like everyone who's passing those plans on, again, just like the whole movie's about the giving the unknown soldier a face. Everyone who's handing those plans off is dying Mm -hmm. as those plans are getting handed off right up to to Leia, you know. And just watching Vader be so badass was so great. It, it, I think that was the most
1: satisfying moment I have had in the Star Wars universe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like this might be my favorite moment ever in any movie. Like, I don't know if anything is better. Like, that's...
1: well, and what, uh, I,
0: what I have loved
1: about that moment now, looking back on it, is how selfish it makes Yoda and Obi-Wan look. Because the whole point of that scene is a single Jedi knight can, can do the work of...
0: An army, yeah.
1: And, and Vader is, is an ace in, in the Empire's pocket. And yeah. and the only reason that he doesn't end up getting the plans, just happens like he would have gotten it if you if he had half a second longer.
0: Yeah, he was half a second away. Yeah. Or,
1: or if he if he could have flown like, if he. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: if Yoda was there, he would have been fine because he would just stopped the ship with his brain and pulled it back. Vader's not that strong.
1: But the 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 unwillingness of both Yoda and Obi Wan to
0: engage
1: in politics after their failure with Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. is incredibly selfish.
0: It, yeah, and, and cowardly and what have you.
1: Yeah. And they, they do it as a sort of, oh well we have you know, we have to either atone for our mistakes or go into seclusion and really become one with the force, ignoring the fact that the whole reason that they got there was their unwillingness to meaningfully engage in the world. And
0: Yeah. Mm hmm
1: this entire movie would have been radically different if it was obi-wan we need you to go get the death star plans because he he would have just done it (laughs) it. (laughs) and and not died and and so it's for me that moment was awesome in in the sense that darth vader got to be great but it was also it it set up for me some beats with yoda and obi-wan that i had always known were there but it really reinforced them.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was so satisfying.
1: And it makes episode uh, the end of episode seven even better because Luke has done the same thing; he is secluding himself from the world because his failure with Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and Kylo Ren is now a he's Vadering. He's Vadering, mm-hmm. and that that is all on Luke. Yeah. It's not that Kylo Ren fell to the dark side. It's that he continued to allow him un- unchecked power. Yeah. When Luke has a responsibility to to do to do more and didn't, mm-hmm. which is the lesson that every single character in this in this movie learns: their obligation to do more than the selfish choice.
0: Yeah, to die for the greater good, so to speak.
1: And Obi Wan doesn't do that. Yoda doesn't do that. And Luke hasn't it we'll see whether Luke does that in the end.
0: Yeah. He'll probably let Kylo Ren kill him and then he'll disappear.
1: We'll see. We'll see. You know,
0: you know, um, yeah. Okay. So that was maybe the most satisfying part of this whole movie was Vader. Mm-hmm. And the worst part of this whole movie was Tarkin and Leia <laughs> because they were CGI animated and looked so dumb. I, I've heard that people said they didn't notice that Tarkin was CGI. And I don't know how you could not notice because it looked so unhuman and weird and wrong. And not not even that the actor's dead and it they that was what was bothering me. It was just that when I looked at the screen at the face, I was like, that is not a human's face. <laughs> Something is wrong with that face.
1: And I am one of the people that didn't really have a problem with it. Uh, I Ugh,
0: I don't I don't know how man.
1: I mean I knew that the actor who played Tarkin was dead, and so when he first comes on the the screen, I'm wondering if there's a double because the way yeah. they do it, it's a it's a reflection of him. Yeah. And I think okay, well maybe they're doing a double or something like that. And then we we see him, and I go, oh okay, that looks close enough to Tarkin. And and I knew that it was CGI, but I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't distracting for me.
0: It distracted me so much. It looked so wrong. It was... And, and it wasn't worth it. Like, that's that's what I keep thinking about. Like, if it was so necessary to CGI that character, okay, maybe I would have let it go. But they could have done that whole scene with him in the reflection,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
0: And it would have made him even more uh, awesome than it was when he turned around and looked like not a human. And it's it's weird because, like, you know, Star Wars has a history of recasting people playing the same character. <laughs> so why not just do it? Why not just find someone that looks kind of like Tarkin and put some makeup on him, give him some sunglasses, whatever, just to make him look <laughs> like Tarkin and have him play just play the scene as Tarkin? Yeah. You you had someone different play Obi-Wan. You've had someone different play Anakin. Just Just do it. Why does it have to be the same guy and not the same guy? A computer pretending to be the guy, which looked so wrong. And and I will agree with you. I I think that I think they had someone else doing his voice. Yeah. Right. That wasn't Tarkin's voice. Why not just have someone be the guy? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think the character of Tarkin is necessary in the story in that if you're doing something on the Death Star this close to a New Hope, Tarkin is
0: clearly there. Yeah. He's there. He has to be there. I get that Tarkin has to be there. Yeah.
1: But he does not have to be the the full presence that they put him in the film. You're right.
0: Yeah. He was in more scenes in this than he was in the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, 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 and it wasn't just, even him. <laughs> yeah. I, I think having his character there was a mistake uh, in, as much as they had him. And while I, do, I didn't have a problem with the CGI whatsoever, it was easy enough for, for me watching the film to say, yeah, this, ca- this character, all these scenes we have him in are unnecessary
0: yeah and the the other thing is that like without the cgi i think they could have made a choice that was even more powerful than with the cgi mm-hmm. like have him just always in the reflection and he never turns around to face him mm-hmm. kind of gives him a higher status than him you know yeah and just shows that he's doesn't even care your job is done i'm now gonna take over this death star and if you have a problem with it you know what why don't you go talk to vader yeah right like that would have been just, a, just as fine and, and accomplished the exact same beat. And I think it would have accomplished it in a better way mm-hmm. to have him not turn around. Especially because when he did turn around and it was CGI, it didn't seem scary at all. It seemed weird and awkward and yeah. gross.
1: <laughs> Overall, I I think a lot of our, our complaints about this film point to, for me, if I didn't know there were reshoots, what I would just say is that... The script needed another pass through. They needed somebody who is willing to look at scenes and go, "This scene needs to end here. We don't need this extra line in this scene." We're willing to 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 tighten up the film a little bit, because, like there are there are lots of little moments throughout where they they explain a joke after it's done, or they have a scene where it's not entirely clear why that scene fits into the story that they're telling, or. They go half a beat too long and they show us Leia's face. Those sorts of things where you really should get that in the in the editing process of the script, not in the, not. You, we shouldn't be able to make these complaints about the film because they seem like they're very easy choices to make.
0: Yeah, very easy things they could have fixed and no. someone just needed to look at it and be honest and say like, no, that looks dumb. Yeah. Don't and, do that. End it here. It'll be fine.
1: And it, the big problem with this, I think, is this might be Disney. Because I think J.J. Abrams did a very effective job uh, with The Force Awakens and saying, I'm telling my version of Star Wars. And Disney, you better get on board.
0: Yeah, and J.J. Abrams has the um, star power now to to do it. And Mm -hmm. when they say, uh, JJ, we don't think you should do that. He can say, well, I'm doing it. Whereas whoever did this movie, I don't think had that power.
1: Yeah. And and that's the thing. So I'm not like, I'm not worried about episode eight because I know that JJ Abrams is, is still behind it in, in a way and, and able to, I think, push his vision on it. And I think this is Ryan,
0: what's his name? Ryan Johnson.
1: Yeah. Ryan Johnson is directing it.
0: Is directing it and he's like, you know, as much as I I have my problems with Looper, Mm -hmm. um, he is a super nerd, loves Star Wars, and is a kind of director that has strong visions of things. And so I'm not too worried about it. It'll be great. No. But this one, this one I feel like, because this is where I feel like the director of this film, whatever his name is, I don't even know who it is. Yeah. uh, What did he direct? He directed some...
1: Uh, Godzilla. The Godzilla remake from a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. He directed some lame movies. But I think he did a fine job with this film. With what other restrictions were screwing him up? Because, <laughs> like, if you look at like the space battle that they had, and the ground battles, and the Darth Vader fighting scene, and like all these these looks of things, it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. It looked great. If there was anything wrong with this movie, it was in the writing room, mm-hmm. not in the directing vision. He made everything look wonderful, and like like we haven't talked about what how cool it looked. When two Star Destroyers smash into each other.
1: Uh, 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 the, I never knew that was a scene that I wanted in Star Wars. Like I
0: <laughs> I know. It, it didn't know you wanted it. Totally kind of seems implausible and like that this tiny little ship managed to do it. But because the Star Destroyer lost power, they managed to do it. Like they justified it all really well. Oh, yeah. But watching that happen was just so cool to watch mm-hmm. uh, that it, like it you, you almost didn't care how they justified it. It just looked so good. Yeah. And so the direction of it looked great and worked really well and i feel like the director kind of got like uh got a um uh, <laughs> i was going to say the worst metaphors ever but i'm just going to say he didn't he he got uh, bogged down by disney
1: yeah and 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 that's the thing this is again this is the first film where uh i guess Kathleen kennedy is the she she is the disney Uh, star wars czar the one who is in control of the overall project of star wars under disney and i think she gave jj abrams slack to to do what he wanted and here it feels like to me uh, either she or her someone she delegated their presence was too strong in in the film to let it let it be its own thing Mm -hmm. and and my hope is that they'll learn learn the lesson from that and let let the directors maybe fail like this this is the thing I think it's okay if we have a Star Wars movie that isn't great.
0: Well, we just had one, and we've had three others, four others arguably, some would even say five others that weren't great, and I would say only one other that was great. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But but for me, I think they they need to be comfortable saying in the same way that Marvel is comfortable. Right. Like Marvel has gotten comfortable telling telling stories that they're like, this isn't perfect.
0: Yeah. And and the problem. Let's with, let's do Ant-Man.
1: <laughs> the, the the problem with marvel is that they don't ever let their directors run free they don't choose directors who are going to have fun in the star wars or in the marvel universe they choose people who are going to shoot a marvel movie as is expected mm-hmm. and what i love about jj J. abrams episode seven is that is jj J. abrams star wars undeniably and even to the point where there are parts of it where I go that's a little too sci-fi Star Trek not enough sci-fi Star Wars mm. but it it at least belongs to him yeah and i feel like they're going to do the same thing with Ryan Johnson they're going to say you know what you own this and and let it be the Star Wars story you want to say and it felt like they didn't they either didn't want that with this film or they weren't willing to risk it because whatever his name who directed Godzilla isn't isn't good enough to warrant that sort of treatment.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So one last little thing before we get into our final thoughts. Mm-hmm. In our prediction podcast, where we were making predictions about this, uh, I did say that uh, it had to end with Jin getting the plans to Leia. I was hoping we weren't going to see Leia. And in fact, I think I even said maybe she just emails it to her. And I'd like to point out that I was right. She totally emailed it to her. (laughs) She emailed it to her. She sent it through uh, cyberspace. (laughs) It
1: it is amazing to me the the universe of Star Wars where,
0: like... (laughs) You can do holographic telephone calls in Star Wars. Uh, where people appear as holograms even though they're like across the galaxy, yeah. but you cannot send Death Star plans. No, <laughs> yeah. no, you can't. Attachment you too Death. large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the attachment's too large to get through the force shield. Well, I'll send a smaller message through the force shield, telling them to turn off the force shield so we can send the bigger message. They
1: should. They should. Tor- they should torrent the Death Star plans from us <laughs> bit yeah, by bit. Yeah.
0: So funny. So weird that the technology stuff, but that's George Lucas left them with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh moving to final thoughts.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well, what what are your final thoughts for this film?
0: My final thoughts are I think I've I've more or less said them all throughout this podcast. But I think I think somewhere in the writing room this movie got muddled. And I'm actually glad it didn't end up as a heist movie because I think the idea of the war movie and seeing all of these sacrifices that people made and the deaths all the deaths of characters like they made you care about characters that all died just to show you that, hey, uh, rebellion and war is, it comes at a high cost. And I think that's what this movie was mostly about, was the high costs of war and rebellion. And that all of that is is worth it. Every single one of those lives is worth it for the hope of a new future. Uh, so I think that I like that they went that route with it instead of the heist movie. Because a heist movie would have been fun... And a fun romp and they all would have got out alive with the Death Star plans. And I don't think that would have been as powerful of an ending for this movie than all of them dying, not knowing whether or not their death was worth something, but the sliver of hope that it was was worth it to them. And it ends with the uh, the this like sort of uh Battlestar Galactica style. <laughs> Um, happy ending but also sad you know like we've we managed to get through this problem but there are still so many more problems that we have to get through that that's my final thoughts
1: i i absolutely concur with that and the thing for me is that i love star wars i think that if you compare it it is the most interesting of the mythologies that arises in the 20th century. I mean, I think it is better than than Middle Earth. I think it's better than the Dune universe. I think it's better than uh, Douglas Adams' uh, galaxy. I think...
0: Harry Potter? Harry Potter?
1: I think it's better than the Wizarding World. I think it's better than Hyrule. I think it's better than the Buffyverse. I think... I, I don't think there's a single comic book universe that comes close to Star Wars... Marvel? No, no way. The Mutants, X Men, the Mutants. Well, and and the other thing is like twentieth century. So, like, even if you want to make arguments about Marvel, that comes later in the twenty first century. <laughs> but,
0: they had comic books before then. But, yeah, okay, but those continue. comic
1: book, like the thing. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Continue. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't convincing me that there is a a more interesting mythology. You, you, it, it the, it, the, the Star Wars universe is so deeply. Embedded in our understanding of how we as a collection of peoples live in the world I think that these kind of stories are as important as Like the Haida Raven or the Greek and Roman pantheons of gods for for the 20th century. They they tell us about the world we live in and the world we want to live in so wonderfully and effectively and and I think that Rogue One is a good continuation of, of that kind of storytelling that we saw in episode seven, that we saw in the prequels even, and that we saw in the original trilogy. And so I, I am nothing but happy with, with this film, even though I may have minor complaints.
0: Yeah, I, um, that is a wonderful point. And like in in mythologies, how there's the greater mythology, but then there are also these little stories within it that explain like, you know, how the stars got there or how the, this happened. Yeah. Uh, And it involves these major characters from these other mythologies doing these little things, you know, like coyote putting the stars randomly as a joke, you know, like those kind of things where coyotes is main character in this tiny little story. Um, Rogue One is one of those. It's like a little offshoot that gives a little bit more depth to something. Yeah. And uh, within this this greater and grander mythology. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, um, I think that was a, a fun podcast to talk about uh, Rogue One. And I think neither of us think it's the greatest Star Wars movie.
1: No, that's episode five, definitively.
0: Definitively. But it is definitely the greatest prequel Star Wars movie.
1: It, definitively, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so that puts it somewhere in the middle of quality in Star Wars movies. Yeah. Because, yeah, when it gets down to it, when it comes to Star Wars movies, not very many of them are good. I think more are bad than good. So this lands right in the middle. (laughs) Yay for the middle. (laughs) Yay for the middle. But that is part of what you're saying about the mythology of Star Wars being what makes it so great. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the stories, but the grander universe that they've built. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, Dave, may the force be with you. Uh, I'm with the force and the force is with me. Hold on. I need to say that again. Ready? Yeah. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. You got to cut that in because the first time I said (laughs) I'm with the force and the force is with me, that's not what he says. He says I'm one with the force. The force is with me.